Emerson absent today, from what I could tell. Uh, I thought I saw her in the the lobby. Um, John, Kate, one, two, three, four, and then Christina is five. Um, it looks like it, um, but we are kind of running late, so I don't want to hold up the meeting. Okay. Um, she may join later. Right now, we, we are at a quorum, so we can proceed with the meeting. Okay, sounds great. Uh, I guess thanks you, thank for Michelle and for running this committee last uh, couple of years, and it looks like in her and Adam have been termed. Sam did say that uh, he has made some recommendations to the mayor as far as on filling those spots, but since we have a lot of presentations, we'll just get started today. I guess uh, first thing on motion is to approve the minutes from December 16th. Is there uh, first on that motion? This is Kate Lorenz. Um, I move to approve those minutes. Thank you, Kate. And can we get a second? This is Christina Gentry. I second. Thank you very much. And as far as on the vote, uh, I guess we'll just start alphabetically. Uh, we'll go with last name, Brad Burnside. Do you approve of the minutes on from December 16th? Aye. Aye. And let's see, K would be the next one. Let's see. Uh, Christina okay. Gentry? Aye. Hi. And John, just a quick update. Cade just joined the, the Zoom. Oh, meeting. okay, great. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Commissioner Kelly? Aye. Aye. And Kate Lorenz? Aye. And uh, Kay Emerson, as far as if, uh, as far as in regards to approving the minutes? Uh, did she? It uh, looks like she's still joining. She may have okay. stepped away from her computer for a bit. I'm an I. Uh, so should we wait or should we uh, proceed? Um, I mean, it is still a quorum. So if you want to okay. just call okay. the motion at that, we'll that's fine. The motion passes with uh, five to zero. The next one would be to elect the chair. Is there any motion or any nominees that anyone would like to bring forth? Sam did mention that. Uh, uh, Commissioner Kelly, we're a school board member. Kay Emerson are not eligible, so and just be the four of us as the options for these two committees, or these two options. Uh, this is Christina Gentry. Um, I nominate John Matthews. I know that you were serving as co-chair, but I nominate uh, your position to be uh, upgraded to chair. Thank That's you. That's great. You're welcome. Is there any other nominations? Seeing no other nominations, uh, Christine would be the first. Is there? A, can I get a second on that? John, I'd second that motion to Brad. Burnside. Thank you, Brad. <clears throat> uh, seeing that there is no other motions, uh, we'll do a roll call vote. Um, Brad Burnside, aye. I'm, I'm assuming. Aye. Aye. Let's go down the list. Uh, Kay Emerson, if you're available. Uh, she may have had technical difficulties. Okay. She's not showing up on the list. No problem. Christina Gentry. Aye. Commissioner Kelly. Aye. Thank you. And Kate Lorenz. Aye. 
and myself as an I, and then that would be passed to five to zero, and then open up the motions for a vice chair. John, this is Kate Lorenz. Uh, I would nominate Christina Gentry for vice chair. Excellent. I'd like to also second that nomination. Seeing that there is no other nominees, I will go to a vote. Uh, Brad Burnside. Aye. Uh, Kay Emerson, if you're available. I'll just go on to Christina Gentry. Uh, yes. Commissioner Kelly. Aye. And Kate Lorenz. Aye. And I'm as well an aye. And a motion passes five to zero for Christina to be the new vice chair. Uh, next thing is for the review of the 2022 annual report. Yep. Um, so I'll go ahead and present that to everyone. Uh, let's get it queued up. <clears throat> All right. Can everyone see the presentation? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Present mode. Sorry, this is the, the city's annual report first. We're All doing right. that. Nope, you're good. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, so every year, uh, the Economic Development Department uh, creates a, an annual report um, for the economic development support and compliance services that happen. Um, so what is the report? The report covers um, the economic development program participants, uh, mainly through developers or developments that have happened or received incentives over the past year, um, project performance for any um, incentive requests or projects that did require um, some kind of compliance in terms of affordable housing or uh, wage uh, wage performance, as well as the activities and payment. Um, and monitor our incentives and how they're they're doing, as well as providing data for goals related to the strategic plan. Um, so how we use this support, uh, we use it to educate and inform um, like we're doing here tonight with the commission, with the public. Um, this report is publicly available on the city's website. Um, so if anybody who listens later or um, on the commission um, or on the committee is interested, um, you can read the full report there. Um, again, it supports transparency. Um, it helps us evaluate outcomes um, both annually and long-term related to the strategic plan and provides a historical record uh, of the economic development support we've provided to the community. Um, <clears throat> so the city provides support in two main ways. Um, the first is PAYGO programs. Um, so those are uh, the developer pays for these uh, improvements or developments initially, and then it's reimbursed over time uh, with a portion of project-generated tax revenues. Um, the second way is through direct support. Um, such as our ED agency services, payments through infrastructure, small business assistance. Um, and these are typically done in upfront payments made by the city of the county. So starting with our, our general property tax abatements, um, we do have for our Catalyst program, um, which is our industrial focused tax abatement program. 
Um, we do currently have five. Um, the newest one that is uh, kind of on the rolls is the U.S. Engineering Project. Um, it was completed last year, but the way the the structure of tax abatements work, um, it doesn't it doesn't take into effect until the first tax year after the completion of construction. Um, for our non-catalyst programs, um, we have the Sunlight Science and Technology Company, Rock Chalk Park, and the Heartland Medical Clinic um, off of Sixth Street. Sixth Street. Um, for these programs, um, at least for the Sunlight uh, tax abatement, they do have some compliance requirements related to job creation, wages, and health benefits. Um, so you can see in that chart below that they continue to meet that. Um, uh, it can meet and exceed kind of the goals that were laid out in their original agreement. Um, this is just a full layout of the tax abatements over the years. Um, for the Heartland Clinic, down at the bottom, you'll see for the Heartland Clinic for Van Trust uh, Phase 1 and for the Pretzels Inc. building um, out in Venture Park, uh, those payments were, the, the abatement is modified in a payment in lieu of taxes. So rather than receiving a 50 or 70% abatement on their property taxes, um, an agreement, uh, part of their development agreement was um, that they pay a certain level of tax, they, they pay a certain level of taxes or a, a percent per square foot value. It, it varies per agreement. Um, next, we have industrial revenue bonds. Um, these are typically used for the sales tax abatement. Um, so it's a, a conduit financing mechanism um, in association with property tax or sales tax abatements. Um, again, there is no liability for the city um, for these bonds or an obligation to help finance the project. Uh, we currently have 10 outstanding um, and then three are approved. Um, so we've the city has issued a resolution of intent and then those bonds are officially issued once the project is complete. Uh, the neighborhood revitalization area, um, it's a property tax rebate uh, given as a percentage of the incremental increase in value. Um, not much change um, between this year and last year. Um, the only thing that's different is we had uh, a, an NRA project come on to kind of the tax rolls. It, it was completed in 2021 and then the full, the first full tax year was, was 2022. Um, so this is just a, a very small overview, a very small chart um, showing the kind of the uh, benefit that we've seen over the years. Um, so the base is essentially the property tax that would have been captured um, if all eight or so properties that are under an NRA um, had stayed at that base level with with slightly you know increases to account for inflation. Um, the retained value is. Uh, what the city has received over the years um, with those improvements. So we can see um, with these projects, we've seen almost a 100% increase in return on these properties with the NRA um, supporting that development. Uh, and then there's tax increment uh, financing, um, which pledges future gains in sales or property tax generated within the, in the district to finance the improvements. Um, very similar layout to an NRA. Um, no changes in that. Um, I know we did, if, if the committee remembers, we did approve a, uh, a TIF towards the end of last year, um, at least in this body. Um, the commission then went on to approve that at the beginning of 2023. So that's not reflected in this report, um, but in next year's report, we'll see that on there. Uh, and then there's the Transportation Development District, um, which is a special taxing district um, specifically to support uh, 
transportation or infrastructure improvements, um, which is typically done uh, supported with an additional 1% sales tax um, within the district. Um, similar to that, we had no, no new uh, TDDs added. Um, so it's pretty much the same, uh, same as last year. Um, so for the overall performance of all these PAYGO programs um, in 2022, uh, for every $1 in public assistance um, that was given, which is essentially the the, tech, the property tax rebate, that's mostly how they're calculated, um, we received approximately $6.48 um, for our investment in private dollars. Uh, and then lastly, our direct support programs. Um, so agencies that probably everyone here is familiar with, um, the KU Innovation Park, the Chamber and Small Business Development Center and Peasley Tech. Um, these were all the assistance amounts that we um, that you all saw last year um, alongside some of the, the county supported payments. And then that is the end of the report. Um, so are there, I guess we'll open it up to any questions, I feel like I kind of went through that quickly, um, but if there's any questions or concerns, I'd be happy to answer those at the moment. Seeing that there's no questions, uh, Sam, is this something we need to vote on or can we just approve and send on to the city commission? Yeah, you, uh, you would just make a motion to approve and send okay. on to the city commission, that would be. Can I get a first uh, motion to approve and send on to the city commission? Ms. Commissioner Kelly, motion to approve the report. And a second. <clears throat> so Brad Burnside, second. Thank you. Uh, with that being said, we let's approve and send this on to the city commission for the next steps. And Sam, I assume there's somebody there for the Lawrence Chamber as far as on this next item? Yeah, so you would just still have to do, even like you made oh, a first. Oh, still do the five, okay, okay. Yeah, it's... Okay, okay. As far as on voting, uh, Brad Burnside. Aye. Aye, okay. Kay Emerson. Um, I'm just going to say that I saw the chat and uh, Kay, yes, Emerson says so, yes. Yes, Essen, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Christina Gentry. Yes. Commissioner Kelly? Yes. Kate Lorenz? Yes. And I, yes as well, and we have a six to zero. Okay. And then just uh, really, just a, a point of order, I guess, for Kay. Um, Kay, whenever, if you have a question or anything, just use the raise your hand functions. So that way your little icon pops up to the top of the screen and I, we can see that you're, um, you have something you want to address or are going to type in the chat. Okay, my six to zero vote, we will approve and send this on to the city commission. And next item up is the Lawrence Chamber funding request. So uh, the order that we're gonna do this in, um, I guess just a, a, a primer before we go ahead and start this conversation. Um, first thing, um, I mentioned this to John, the way we're gonna do this is similar to how we did it last year. Um, so the committee is gonna receive each presentation. And then at the end of each presentation, you're gonna make a motion and approve or make a motion for the level of support that the that the committee wants to recommend to the city commission. Um, so that way you're not doing four presentations and then having to make a vote on something you heard 30 minutes ago. Um, and then as another primer, um, 
the Lawrence Chamber, um, KU Innovation Park, and Peasley Tech, um, in in collaboration with the City of Lawrence, have all submitted requests for three-year agreements. Um, so what you're voting on today is funding for 2024, 2025, and 2026. Um, this is done. Uh, it was a it was a request from the City Manager's Office to kind of streamline the efficiency of these agreements. Um, although uh, while these agreements are being made now, um, there is kind of a, a, there will be a provision in the agreements per Kansas statute that technically fund, future funds that far in advance can't be guaranteed. Adjustments may be corrected as necessary um, if, they, if payments can't be made, um, but you will essentially be voting for three years of funding. Um, and that is only for the Lawrence Chamber, KU Innovation Park, and Peasley Tech. Um, Douglas County Corps will be a one-year agreement for now, for 2024. And Sam, uh, yes. Christina Gentry, mm -hmm. will there be time for Q&As after each presentation? Yep. Um, I guess that's another thing. Uh, it is around 2.30 right now. Um, I expect these presentations to take us longer than three. Um, is there anybody who has a hard stop at three o'clock? No? Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, so the way we'll do it um, is they'll give a presentation, um, similar to how the commission runs it, they'll give a presentation, um, there will be a Q&A for the committee. Um, once all questions, I guess, are satisfied, um, then someone can make a motion to approve, um, and then it gets approved or denied or however you want to um, structure that, that motion, and then we'll move on to the next. Okay, sounds good. That's good. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Um, sorry. And then the last thing, the order um, will be, we'll start, we'll go ahead and start with Douglas County Core. Um, I know it's a little different on the agenda, um, but that's for, for time constraints for some of the other individuals in the room. Um, we're going to start with Douglas County Core first. Sounds great. Okay. So Kyle Marlin. And you just need to make sure you share. So like the, on so it's on Zoom. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Does everybody see the screen here? Yes, we do. Oh, the, gotcha. So you have to hold it in before, oh, there we go. Don't have to raise it too high for me, but maybe help Marlon out. <laughs> uh, I'll split the difference. All right. Hi, everyone. We're Kyle Johnson and Marlon Bates, co-founders of CORE, a nonprofit focused on building our entrepreneurial ecosystem. I'm a local tech entrepreneur, and Marlon is the director of the Douglas County Extension Office. In 2018, Lawrence ranked last among nearly 400 communities in the U.S. in providing jobs for its residents with college degrees. To solve the problem, we need to combine traditional business recruitment with entrepreneur development because nearly all net new job creation comes from startups of all kinds, not just tech companies. If we want new jobs, we have to create new companies. The OECD, the world's top economists, have concluded the best way to create new companies is through the entrepreneurial ecosystem approach, which focuses on making entrepreneurship easier. 
In particular, first-time entrepreneurs need training, a network of peer entrepreneurs, an experienced entrepreneurial mentor, advisors with industry expertise, pitch or business plan help, and easy access to all of these things. If we provide these things to entrepreneurs, they are much more likely to build their businesses here and create jobs. In fact, I recently spoke to an aspiring entrepreneur at a Lawrence Tech Guild event, and he said he would move away uh, to a more robust ecosystem once his partner graduates from KU. I asked, if we help train you and provide you with local mentors and advisors, will you stay? His answer, yes. Historically, resources haven't been accessible to everyone. So CORE is building a website funded by the city to make it much easier for all entrepreneurs to access resources by listing resources online and helping entrepreneurs navigate the startup process. The website will launch in the next few months and will allow people to register to receive one-on-one -on -one support. We'll make sure that they get the help they need. The OECD has found a new kind of enabler organization is required to focus on ecosystem building and that's CORE's role locally. The vib uh, and vibrant entrepreneurial ecosystems succeed in four areas according to the Kauffman Foundation. Diversity, density, connectivity, and fluidity. These themes map to the city's strategic plan around diversity, job creation, and business satisfaction. CORE is committed to ensuring that at least 40% of our registrants are women, non-binary, and or BIPOC entrepreneurs, and currently we're at 56%. By 2030, CORE will register 200 entrepreneurs, 25 per year, who create 500 jobs with high average salaries. The best way to build this pipeline is to hold events that attract early stage entrepreneurs. We just held our first annual pitch competition where we gave $20,000 to 12 entrepreneurs to cover their startup expenses. This is half of our annual registration goal from just one event. Of these six companies, six are tech, six are non-tech, 40% are women and or BIPOC owned. The entrepreneurs left the event excited to build their businesses and help us build the ecosystem. It was a huge success and we worked with a variety of partners to identify participants. In 2023 and 2024, we need to work with our partners and entrepreneurs to develop a series of programs to identify, train, fund, and grow local companies. So our 2024 budget request will help us build on our momentum and add more programming and direct entrepreneur support, specifically through the hiring of a part-time coordinator. The city and core are natural partners and we're perfectly aligned with the city in its strategic plan. But in the absence of a paid staffer, we simply can't pursue diversity, density, connectivity, and fluidity as fast as the city needs us to. Back to the problem we discussed earlier, every city of size and most smaller ecosystems are hiring for this kind of position. We need to aggressively pursue this work so that by 2030, we aren't last in job creation. We're a rising star compared to other ecosystems in the middle of the country. Thank you so much, and we'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Is there any questions for these two gentlemen? Kyle, thanks for your presentation. This is Commissioner Kelly. Are you presenting a similar um, budget request to Douglas County? Uh, thank you for the question, Commissioner Kelly. Um, I think our goal is to uh, certainly build out what is being asked of you uh, at the city as a halftime position through time. Um, so certainly we know that we need uh, more than a halftime position, but for, for now, I think that's the request that we're putting in front of the city. 
uh, if the county is interested in potentially uh, supporting in any capacity a position like this, uh, we'll be more than happy to to work with you uh, to put something forward to the county. Yeah, I just want to be real specific because I don't feel comfortable voting on anything in these rec as much as I love to tell the city how to spend its money. If there's a request that is coming to both the county and the city, I abstain on these votes just so it doesn't prejudge the budget discussions that we have at the county. So what I'm understanding you say, Marlon, is that you're, there, there is no proposal right now for Douglas County Corps that has been made to Douglas County. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, this is Christina Gentry. Um, I'm just going to jump in with a little quick question. Um, in your notes, you, were, you wrote that you will continue to work to identify entrepreneurs and create awareness of entrepreneurial opportunity across Douglas County, including drawing entrepreneurs. I put dot, dot, dot because a lot of notes that I was trying to capture. But what does that invite look like? Um, for example, where are you advertising? How are you advertising? And what does that specifically look like? Like flyer? Um, <clears throat> give me an example of what those invites look like to um, invite um, more entrepreneurship, especially with the BIPOC um, and, and the other participants that you're looking to draw? Great question. Um, this is probably the fundamental thing that needs to happen first, right? And and frankly, part of why uh, we need a part-time coordinator position. It takes a lot of time and energy to go around to all of the pockets where entrepreneurs may currently clump together various communities various organizations we think of them as entrepreneurial kind of feeders uh, so we have to go around to all these different uh pockets of people and tell them hey we have a pitch competition coming up any kind of business can apply not just tech companies um so we've had a number of organizations and we've tried to make ourselves known to a wide variety of organizations um you know we are succeeding in this early stage of attracting a diverse pool of entrepreneurs, but we need to scale that effort significantly. And frankly, in the run-up to the, to the pitch competition, I spent about 20, 30, 40 hours mentoring the entrepreneurs, getting them ready. We need more mentors uh, and, and basically a, a system so that we know here are all the different representatives in all these different areas. Uh, we have an email list of about a thousand people and we're growing that email list rapidly. Um, so a lot of effort has to be done on the recruitment front. Uh, and then simultaneously, there needs to be things to recruit for programs because I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs have little to no time. They're balancing family and the enormous pressure that it takes to build a company and it's risky and stressful. So to ask somebody to come to an event that isn't very impactful to their entrepreneurial work would be a miss on our part. We have to make sure that our programs are worth their time. And so creating those kinds of programs takes a lot of time. Um, so right now we're you know, mostly volunteer driven. We don't have any paid staff. Um, so that would, this, we know what that staffer needs to do, uh, and they basically need to be present at, present at a lot of different events and constantly registering people and sending them to this new website so that then everybody can simply register, tell us about them and their business, kind of check all the boxes for the things that they think they need. 
And then we're directly engaging them, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation or a group conversation with that person. Tell me about your business. Tell me what you think you need, you know, and basically an intake process so that we can triage. All right. It sounds like what we're hearing is you need A, B, and C. Is that right? Okay, great. Let's go find you a mentor. Let's go get you these kinds of things. So that just takes an awful lot of time. All right. Thank you. And real quick too, I think I knew someone who competed or in the competition. I'm not sure about the outcome. Could you give me the winner of that? Uh, you said that was a um, a pitch competition. Can you Do you know who won that competition and, and what that pitch was? Yeah. Um, Kaylin Baca uh, won. However, 11 other presenters got second. <laughs> okay. uh, the way the judges, we decided that, so we had $20,000 in kind of private donor money that we had raised to present to the to the applicants and we left it up to the judges to decide how will this money be allocated amongst the presenters we decided and i was a judge there were three other judges so i can give you some inside scoop on the deliberations there but we decided frankly that kaylin's business was the furthest along uh the others are kind of in a stage earlier than that somewhat on the idea or very early stage business. They're all great ideas. Again, six tech, six non-tech. Um, Kaylin's business is around refrigerant recovery. So you have a bunch of dirty refrigerants. It's a spin out from the KU Department of Chemical Engineering. Um, but, but we had tremendous ideas, you know, local event space, uh, uh, you know, business, um, kind of a social entrepreneurship business, uh, a golf teaching kind of marketplace, uh, a, a unique take on fantasy sports, uh, some some absolutely fantastic pitches, and we worked really hard. I mean, it, the pitch competition really could not have gone better. Uh, we threw it together and spent a lot of time just kind of getting it together, but it was a phenomenal success, and again, all the entrepreneurs left excited, so... That's what we need to do, but we need to not do that just once a year in the spring. We need to have a consistent calendar of programs that kind of builds throughout the summer, fall, winter, so that it culminates in a spring pitch competition. And it's not just like, find whoever's around and let's throw this thing together. You know, it shouldn't be a last minute thing. It needs to be a, a an annual process that we all work through as a community to build as many entrepreneurs as possible. Thank you. Mm -hmm. John, it looks like uh, sorry. John, it looks like Kay uh, has typed in some questions into the chat. If you wouldn't mind reading those. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, Kay asked in the chat, "Have you explored partnership with United Way of Caw Valley to request an AmeriCorps member for support with this?" Uh, so she also says, "There's this is a capacity building role, and AmeriCorps member can help with coordination of volunteers as well." So, have you partnered with United Way of Caw Valley? I think that's a, a wonderful suggestion. That's not a conversation that we've had with the United Way of Call Valley. Um, we are aware of the AmeriCorps program, and actually my office is working with uh, that organization on a AmeriCorps uh, member that's actually dedicated to health. And so that's a conversation that is in the works, but this would be an easy thing to add to it. So thank you for the suggestion. Uh, my question was, Have you, uh, as far as on your business background, I assume you guys are working full-time jobs on the side. You know, with this is something, you know, that hasn't developed into a full-time job, or is that correct? Right. Yes, this will not ever be likely. <laughs> Our full-time jobs. I'm I'm the founder of a tech company. 
in the consumer data ad tech martech space and through that experience i realized how hard it is to build a company uh, and uh, tech companies and local companies kind of share let's say the 60 percent 70 percent of the kind of business fundamentals what's the problem how do you solve it who's your team you know, what's your competitive advantage and your marketing plan and all these different kind of facets of entrepreneurship. And then tech has a bunch of random, unique challenges that uh, require the raising of capital and a whole bunch of other things. That's really, both of those are really difficult. Uh, and they're really difficult to do in ecosystems that aren't robustly built out because you don't have all of the programs and capabilities necessary to just simply kind of plug into that existing pipeline. So through that process, I realized we're missing the boat here. We really have a lot of things to build. And if we build those things, we won't lose entrepreneurs to all these other ecosystems. You know, that story that I told earlier about just talking to an entrepreneur at an event. This is one, entre one entrepreneur at one event but I guarantee a hundred entrepreneurs have thought the exact same thing over the last five years. As soon as I graduate, I'm gonna to go to one of these other places where all these entrepreneurial resources exist. And that's a lost opportunity for Lawrence. If we grabbed that person while they were here and we plugged them into all the things, and it's not that we don't have existing resources, we do, um, but we're last. <laughs> So we're not plugging them into the resources that exist very efficiently. And we also need a bunch of other resources. If we do those things, this will be a, a, different, a, a different picture in five years and in 10 years. Hey, this is Kate Lorenz. Um, kind of, I thank you for the presentation. And kind of on that note, could you describe um, or kind of talk us through partnerships that you have with some of the organizations in Lawrence that support entrepreneurship, um, particularly, you know, ones that we're also considering funding requests for and just sort of what you see as um, synergies or, or different things that you all are bringing to the, to the ecosystem? It, yes, um, I'd be happy to. Um... KU Innovation Park has hosted uh, events and funded uh, our, our our pitch competition prize money in in part. Um, you know, a member of the chamber attends most of our weekly meetings. We meet three times a week, just kind of triaging what are the next things we need to do. Uh, again, uh, a volunteer, a small volunteer army. Uh, you know, getting together just to figure things out together. Um, all of these different organizations on on this slide referred pitch presenters to us, entrepreneurs to us. And so we're in regular contact with them all. We're working on a national mentor network with the KU Alumni Association, and they hosted the pitch competition. I think our universities and high schools are essential for us to be plugged into because they're our talent pipeline. And they're when people are young and excited and ready to go do something new and creative uh, often. Um, and so we need to capture that talent before it decides I need to leave and go somewhere else. Uh, but also the public at large and professionals who have been working for 10, 20, 30 years have specific domain expertise. So we can't forget about any pocket of the community. Everybody has something to offer and that's why we kind of have to be everywhere, letting everybody know 
Look, all you have to do is go to this website <laughs> and register, and then we'll know about you. And then we can start getting you the help that you need. But we're very much in collaboration mode. Who can we partner with and how? Uh, again, the, uh, the Kauffman Foundation has found that connectivity of all of the different ecosystem players is essential. Where you lack that connectivity, um, or, or even worse, organizations fight with each other, those ecosystems struggle and fail. And so we, we can't have that. We have to all work together and figure out how do we create more entrepreneurs and then help them. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And there was one more question in the chat. It says, how much will the salary be set for on this FTE in the request? Well, initially, um, you know, it's a part-time position, uh, 36K kind of fully loaded with, you know, benefits, taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a part-time role. Um, and and that's, that's the salary, you know, and expenses all in. Um, you know, just to maybe provide some, you know, additional detail around what that person will be doing. They need to go to a lot of different events. Uh, they need to make sure that everybody knows to go to that website and register. And if they can't go to that website to help them register, uh, they need to basically have a bunch of one-on-one -on -one -on -one meetings with these entrepreneurs and kind of uh, help understand that intake process a little bit better. Uh, because again, we, we have jobs, uh, full-time jobs, uh, and so do the other core volunteers. So we need that coordinator person to be kind of first layer entrepreneurial support. We have a lot of entrepreneurial expertise on the team, but we need some help. An hourly rate equates to about $25 to $28 an hour. Is there any more questions? Seeing that there's no other questions, can we get a first motion on this? Uh, this is Christina Gentry. I um I vote that we oh gosh, what is the verbiage here? Do I say that I vote that we move can, to support uh, the recommendation for yeah, this project? Yeah, you can just make a motion to uh, recommend the budget request or the funding request to the city commission. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I recommend that we uh, make a budget request to recommend this um, request. I think I just yeah, that's what whatever Samuel said. <laughs> Very wordy. Yeah, and can we get a second motion? Uh, it looks like Kay seconds it in the chat. And we'll do a roll call vote. Brad Burnside? Aye. Kay Emerson? Aye. Okay. Christina Gentry? Aye. Commissioner Kelly? Aye. Kate Lorenz? Aye. And I'm a, a nay, and the vote passes uh, five to one. Thank you. Thank you. And Sam, uh, you mentioned uh, the order was going to be mixed up. What is the second one presentation yep. for today? Uh, so the second one we have up is going to be uh, KU Innovation Park. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That one is actually, the rest of the order is the same, looking at the... Uh, looking at the agenda, so. Perfect. 
Anything I have to do to get the presentation up? Uh, you should you should have to share like on Zoom. It, I think when you minimize, it turns into a tiny one. I don't think I'm getting it. Good afternoon, committee. Uh, Adam Courtney, I'm the CFO of the KU Innovation Park. Um, uh, joined with David Springer as well, who's in the crowd here, um, but you can't see him. Um, just fun fact, uh, Kalen and the Icorium team was actually a uh, KU Innovation Park uh, company. And so we've been working with her for a while. And so we are happy to see, to see her win that and uh, get some funding for her company. Uh, so today I'm going to move quickly through this, uh, give you a chance to ask some questions at the end. Um, the KU Innovation Park, if I can get it to move. Um, maybe just the up and down arrow. Oh, there we go. Uh, it's a uh, unique collaboration between the city, the county, the university, uh, and the Chamber of Commerce. And so um, about 15 years ago, uh, these stakeholders came together um, to try to uh, do economic development around what the city has identified as the target industries. And so um, they all come together. They all have one class A board seat. They all work together uh, with equal representation on that board. Uh, with a mission to create, recruit, grow, and retain uh, high-paying jobs around the, those target industries that were outlined in the Economic Development Strategic Plan. Uh, with a general purpose of uh, creating an economy that's more diverse, resilient, and modern uh, through the creation of those jobs. Um, how we measure our success is through uh, our metrics. And so currently we have 65 job, or 65 companies who have created 618 jobs and about 41 million in direct payroll. And so um, if you average this out at around $65,000 per job, uh, so the average job uh, wage is another uh, city uh, strategic initiative. And so you can tell we're way above that. Um, another thing um, that we track is our women and minority uh, companies. And so we have about 31% of our 65 companies have women, our minority founders, uh, broken down from 23% women and 26% minority. Um, we use uh, some of our funding that we get from the county and the city uh, for incentives as well to these small companies. Uh, small pieces of uh, funding, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars can go a long, long way for small companies who need a little uh, startup funds. And we've earmarked twenty-five percent of those funds on an annual basis to women and BIPOC uh, founders as well. Uh, you can see our historic job growth rate of the park. It's in the yellow there, uh, pretty significant. And then down below in the red and blue is Lawrence and the state averages there. So uh, trends on the same path, but at a, a magnitude much higher. So we've been pretty successful there. Um, some of the ways we help our startup companies and, and make them successful, uh, and Kyle talked about this, it's important to wrap them with um, services and mentorship. Um, we do market validation, market research, proof of concept. We'll help uh, financials, just regular business services. We have researchers who are really good in a lab. Uh, but don't want to focus on the business and are better served being in the lab doing the research. And so we surround them with resources to help their business grow and become successful uh, while they continue to focus on the research part of their business. 
Uh, one of the things that we do to make these companies successful and grow roots here is provide them with some real estate. And so our original building was built in 2010. Uh, another uh, phase was 2014. Uh, we filled that up pretty quickly. Um, but to keep those companies growing here, uh, we got to provide them more of that highly specialized space that they need. Uh, wet lab space is really expensive to build and really isn't, uh, there's no inventory in Lawrence, Douglas County, or really the region for them. And so if we don't continue to build that, we're at risk of losing some of these companies that we start here and are growing. Uh, for instance, uh, the phase three building opened, which is our second building on West Campus uh, last August. And we had uh, 10 of our companies that were in existing facilities move over there and at least double their space. Uh, we had one company that went from 2,500 square feet and is now in 11,000 square feet. Uh, majority of that is specialized wet lab that they needed. Um, if they were going to expand without that space, they would likely have to go somewhere else and likely leave the state to find that space for them and their, their company growth. Um, another thing we do with county or city and county funds is uh, we leverage some of the the capital that we get um, to to build these buildings. And so uh, phase three is a twenty five million dollar building. Uh, the city and the county each threw in three hundred seventy five thousand. We are able to leverage that uh, for another eight million dollars at the federal level. And then we uh, got private funding uh, through a bank institution to fund the rest of that $25 million to build that building. It's 65,000 square feet. It's already about 85% uh, full with the last 15% uh, under negotiation. So we expect to have that full probably by the end of the summer um, and out raising money for phase four and phase five uh, around some of our, our cluster development that we do around national security would be phase uh, four, uh, leveraging some of the assets and the strengths of the university there uh, in cybersecurity, uh, remote sensing, telecommunications. Uh, and then phase five would be an expansion of our bio cluster and sustainability cluster, uh, which really needs that wet lab space to continue to grow. So long term, uh, we started out on our 15 year plan in 2022. Um, and so we're looking at uh, seven more buildings or a total of 10 phases or 11 phases. Uh, phase one and two is one building. And so um, it'll eventually be 11. It'll marry with the crossing uh, development that the endowment is doing on West Campus as well. Uh, we'll focus on the business and research side, why they focus on the retail grocery housing. Um, and another component is daycare, uh, which is really important uh, to our companies, but also the community as well. And then you can see the long-term impact of uh, that 15-year plan uh, when we get to the end uh, would include 4,000 direct jobs and, and significant payroll, 26 million, 260 million plus in annual payroll um, and about 800,000 square feet of de development. And I think that's all I got. Is there any questions from the committee? Uh, this is Christina Gentry. I have a question. Um, I'm looking into the um, application and, and the information that was included into the packet that we were able to read. Um, and underneath um, equity inclusion, uh, I wrote down some notes. It says the park plans to expand its business services programming to provide diversity and inclusion training for all the park or for the park. Uh, what trainings are those specifically? Do you have the names of those trainings? And are those trainings obligatory, mandatory for all of the uh, businesses that are involved in your park 
um, innovation park. So, so two questions and maybe um, some details on the trainings that are going to be implemented um, as it states that you will be implementing some trainings into your, um, your, uh, I, I guess is curriculum uh, or services. Curriculum yeah, services. Yeah. yeah it's um, we won't mandate it. Um, uh, that's a hard practice to do. Um, what we like to do is uh, lunch and learns and other trainings that uh, are open to people, you know, encourage them to get out by lunch, things that, that get people in there, and then identify somebody that can train on different aspects of that, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, the benefits of including diversity on your board, um, and then incorporating policies around hiring and practices of each company. Um, and so each one of them is responsible for their own internal policies and procedures, uh, but a training on uh, and an education on uh, the benefits and why they should be doing those things is how we're approaching it. Um, we haven't mandated as part of our um, curriculum or, or being part of our system at this point. Thank you. I did have a question as far as on how you guys are organized. I know you mentioned you got funding from the chamber and from KU and from the city, but you're, is it safe to say you're wholly separate as an entity from KU? Uh, we are. We're a 501c6, which is an economic development organization, so a nonprofit uh, ju organized just like the Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Um, and so we get our funding from uh, public funding from the city and the county, the university and the chamber. Uh, it supports our business services. Uh, otherwise, we'd probably operate much like a real estate development organization, uh, just managing our real estate. So that's really important public support that goes into our business services. Um, and so our breakdown of uh, private versus public revenue is about 70-30 at this point. 70 is private driven through uh, rents and other services that we provide. And then 30% is that public support that we get. And it also includes grant funding. Um, for instance, this year we, we've taken our public funding and leveraged it at the federal level for business service support. And so we have a uh, three-year grant through the EDA that will pay $1.5 million, so $500,000 a year that we marry with that other public support that we get. Thank you. Hey, this is Kate Lorenz. Um, I was just going to uh, ask about, I know this is, I believe, one of the requests that we're considering for a three-year funding, uh, three years of funding recommendations. That's correct, isn't it? That's correct, yes. Okay, cool. Um, and can you just talk through, it looks like it's the same funding request for each of those three years. Can you just kind of talk through, um, you know, that decision and, and um, you know, how you see the funding each year kind of playing into um, into the the park and all of the sort of development that you're seeing? Sure. Um, we have requested the same amount for from the city and the county uh, from the last five years, but specifically our $200,000 that we asked for operational funding, um, the city and the county and the, the university have participated at the same level since we started. We haven't asked for an, an increase in that, and that's our business service support. Um, we have an incentive fund that the city and the county fund for us. Um, that's the 25,000 from each, 50,000 that goes to these small businesses that don't often qualify for the city and county incentives that are out there, the tax abatements and things like that. Um, and then that $75,000 um, request over the three years, uh, so two twenty-five dollars from each the city and the county, uh, we're going to take out and try to leverage at the federal level and at the state level to get more funding, um, like we did for the phase three project. And so we're looking at uh, phase four and five each being $30 million plus buildings. And so we'll take those two twenty-five dollars from each of those uh, entities and then leverage that uh, multiple times over to get to that $30 million that we need for the next phase of the building. 
Thank you. Is there any other questions from the committee? Seeing no questions, can I get a first motion? Thank you. Uh, this is Kate. I will move to um, recommend the funding amount of the $300,000 requested for the next three years. Thank you, Kate. Can I get a second motion? And Kay seconds it. Thank you, Kay. And for the roll call vote, uh, Brad Burnside. I have to recuse myself due to a conflict. Okay. Abstain on this one. And next, uh, Kay Emerson. Kay says aye in the chat. Thank you, Kay. Uh, Christina Gentry. Aye. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Kelly. Staying. Staying. Thank you. Kate Lawrence. Aye. And I'm a nay as far as on that. And then looks like the motion approves uh, uh, three to one with two abstain. And Sam, just a follow-up question. Do we need, as far as on the quorum, I mean, we don't need five people voting uh, as far as no, on the quorum, quorum is only for attendance. Okay, perfect. So we okay, can't so. start the meeting if there's not five, but um, in terms of voting, um, it doesn't need to be okay. five total voting members. So motion passes three to one with two abstains. So if you'll, so is it Peasley Tech or the Lawrence Chamber next? Uh, we'll go ahead and have uh, Peasley Tech. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to present today. Sam, I'm going to look for my presentation here. Uh, it should be the, the next tab. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Oh, too far over there. Let me go back. See if I go. Sure. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't see it before, but maybe it's there. Yeah, so I just click anywhere. There you go. Thanks. Thank you. We actually do teach technology classes at Peasley Tech. I just <laughs> probably should have taken one of them. Uh, <clears throat> appreciate the opportunity to be here today and uh, share a little bit about where Peasley is now and where we're going and, and answer any questions uh, that you might have. Um, we're... Um, uh, just use the arrow keys. That should be fine. Oh, okay. Down yep. Now, this is one Sam has assured me will work correctly. <laughs> Let's see.
No sound. Well, it doesn't even look like it started. Um, that's okay. Oh, here we go. What's a Peasley? No sound. Okay, so that's it without sound. Um, I don't know how much sense that video would have made for most of you anyway, because it's designed for 16 year olds. That's the TikTok video, anything under 30 seconds, right? Um, so um, let me get back off of here. PowerPoint. The next icon over the PDF. Do what? I'm sorry, Sam. I'm no, you're good. I'm not following you here. I have to show up now and make sure we arrange that needs so. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um uh, a little overview. Uh, I know that uh, most of you are familiar with this, but uh, our mission is uh, uh, Peasley Tech is to serve as a catalyst uh, for economic growth in the county. Uh, primarily, we're located at 2920 Haskell in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, we're a little bit different than most learning institutions. Our clients are the businesses of our community. Now, the people that come and take training from us, they benefit from us having those relationships. Uh, but, but you'll see, and it's, it's kind of a little different approach to teaching and learning. And that is our programs are all driven by, uh, by demand from businesses. Uh, I'm gonna really quickly go through these. I'm not gonna read all this to you, but it just gives you an idea of the growth that we've had since we started. Uh, with, uh, having programs approved by the Board of Regents in 2017, and we've continued uh, to grow many, many programs in this time. Uh, 22 uh, open enrollment um, programs, and then we've also already added three new uh, expansion um, apprenticeships in 2023. So that gives us 15 apprenticeships we offer in a wide range of areas, and Peasley Tech is the largest provider of apprenticeships in Kansas. Um, as a result of that, we've been recognized by the state and Department of Commerce for our, our work in helping expand apprenticeships uh, in our area. Now, that if you're not familiar with the apprenticeship, the real beauty of an apprenticeship for the person is that they are a full-time paid employee. They have benefits and they come to school usually one night a week um, to uh, to learn a, 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 to learn their their craft or their um, their trade. The little overview of our some of our labs, our carpentry labs, industrial maintenance, and back up. That's a robotics lab, uh, plumbing and HVAC lab, machine shop. New car dealers, um, uh, automotive lab, 
the welding laboratory and computer networking and our commercial driving center. Uh, so um, in the last, uh, those programs and labs have all been added since 2015. We've built them out uh, in phases as demand uh, to meet the demand for training in these areas. Um, and last year we opened the Crunch uh, Business Support Center at Peasley Tech. Uh, we uh, we provide a variety of people either starting businesses or for existing businesses. Uh, in the last year, we opened in March of a year ago in March, and we've had 52 projects uh, with with companies from our area. Um, this is part of the Crunch Center. I I like to show this picture a little bit because. Uh, it shows off, this is our student work. Our students um, designed this, AutoCAD students drew it, our carpenters built it, electricians wired it, uh, the plumbers redid the restrooms in there and the mechanical did the heating and air conditioning. Uh, this center is used a lot. Uh, one of the things we do in support of entrepreneurism uh, is we are a host for um, meetings of the um, One Million Cups, a Coffin Foundation program designed for people who are starting business to come have a place to pitch it to other entrepreneurs on a weekly basis and get feedback on their projects. This uh, program consistently has 25 to 30 participants every week. Uh, we also have a, a program uh, with that is sponsored by the Chamber for uh, BIPOC entrepreneurs called Jumpstart uh, that we've been uh, we've held at Peasley Tech also for the last two sessions and. I think there's a third one coming up. Um, that's just a little uh, overview of it. We do have office space in there if people need it. We have a multimedia room to make uh, commercials, advertisements, videos, and we have a 3D printing lab. Uh, also, if you're, someone's wanting to start up or needs to make uh, prototyping products. Um, that's kind of an overview of, of what we're doing and where we're going and how we've been doing it. And I'd be glad to answer any questions um, related to our funding request. Thank you for that presentation. I did uh, want to double check on something that we I saw uh, on one of the files. Is it $200,000 per year for the next three years? Can you confirm that? Uh, no, I don't. That's, that's, I, that's there, there was a, uh, like it had operations at 160,000, but then it had the total as 200,000 and for year 2025 and 2026. Uh, I apologize, John. That was an error on staff's part for not correcting that. Um, their request, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, your request changes each right. year. It reduces over the next three years. Okay, so 200, we, 160, 140. Correct. I, okay. I apologize for that. Yes. So 500, okay. Is there any questions uh, from the committee? I have a question, this is Christina Gentry. Um, so I was just kind of honing in on the board directors, and I was curious to know how many of your current board directors identify as BIPOC, and how many are male, how many are female? Do you, do you have the answer? Um, we have seven-member board. We have uh, uh, two members that would identify as BIPOC, and five of the seven are women. Thank you. I also at our meetings, our facilitator for uh, diversity 
equity and inclusion is not a board member, but participates in our board meetings, as well as the training for our uh, instructors. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have one more question, in case, unless there's someone else. Um, uh, is there someone who had a question? Oh, you said go ahead. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Yes, <laughs> no, he Last. said you can't ask me any more questions. <laughs> no more? Oh, well, Excuse just one bit. more real quick one. Um, your current progress indicator represents 55 minority program participants, uh, and then 10 minority participants are in the SAEEI grant-supported apprenticeships. Yeah. Um, is that a? Are these repeat individuals re uh, participating, or do these numbers represent 65 total individuals represented actively participating in one supported program that identify as um, uh, minorities? Or uh, these would be discrete individuals; they would not be duplicated counting. Is that what you mean? Are there is it more than one? They're not. They're only counted one time. Sure. So yeah. you have 55 uh, participants that are participating in your minority program currently. Yes. Okay. And then you have 10 minority participants in the SAEEI grant supported apprenticeship. That's a separate, yeah. And that's separate. a separate uh, count of people. It's not, the, those 10 are not also in the other gotcha. 55. That was my question. Yeah. Thank and you. I, also on that, I'd, I'd like to share with you, um, we have, um, our board has committed, uh, our, our um, goal was to represent for our enrollment to be at double the representation for underrepresented uh, populations in our programs. Underrepresentation does somewhat vary by programs, um, but um, but our goal was to be at double the county rate, which is approximately 15%. In our last rise, raise income security and equity program, we were actually at 45%. So we've made uh, uh, extensive outreach with our partnerships with the NAACP, with um, the uh, DCF and Catholic Charities, uh, and also uh, an extensive effort to help formerly incarcerated folks get a chance to get jobs as well. Thank you. And just for my sake too, S-A-E-E-I, -E -E oh. what does that stand for? That, okay. It is the State Apprenticeship Expansion Equity and Inclusion Grant. And we were one of seven recipients, and that was uh, recognition of the work we had done with the state on expanding apprenticeships. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is John Matthews. I just had one last question. As far as on, uh, is there been any changes uh, with the announcement of the DeSoto uh, plant as far as Panasonic? Or is, is that anything that this area plans to assist on training or? Or is there a need for that? Um, yes, we're part of the uh, several groups that are involved uh, in preparation. I'm part of a, uh, he's part of a education consortium with Johnson County Community College in Kansas City, Kansas, and several school districts um, uh, in anticipation of, of the needs that will come from Panasonic, but also in anticipation of what our local businesses will need in the face of Panasonic coming. And so, um, yes, we're, we're definitely, um, you know, involved and prepared. Our goal would be to, uh, if, if uh, to provide the initial training needed, uh, for, uh, Lawrence residents that are going to work at the, uh, at the, at the plant, uh, that that's where our focus would be. Other than that, our, our, we're, we're working on making sure that our existing businesses 
have the workforce uh, that they need. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Seeing no other questions, uh, can I get a first motion on this? This is Brad Burnside. I'd move for approval. Thank you, Brad. And can I get a second motion? This is Kate Lorenz. I'll second it. Thank you, Kate. And on the roll call vote, uh, Brad, you're up first. What say you? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Okay, Emerson. Uh, it looks like she may have dropped off. Oh, okay. Um, come back. Okay, I was looking in the chat. Okay, I didn't see anything. Uh, we'll come back at the end, maybe. Uh, Christina Gentry. Aye. Aye. Commissioner Kelly. Staying. Staying, okay. Kate Lorenz. Aye. I'm a nay, a no, and uh, Kay Emerson will go back if uh, if she's gotten back on. Uh, it does not look like she has. Okay. She's not returning. So that'd be just an absent then, we'll say? Yes. Okay. So the motion passes uh, three to one with one abstain and one absent. And we're on ready for the Lawrence Chamber. Yep. So good. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like uh, Kay is coming back into the room. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's just. It's over. I don't need it. I called you up to. Well, this way it dispenses with me struggling or he's struggling. Yeah. Let's yeah. just call it. Call it early. Good afternoon, members of the committee. Uh, I'm Steve Kelly with the Lawrence Chamber, uh, and Josh Falleaf, who's with me here, and I will be presenting uh, on different portions. And then our final three-year budget is at the is at the very end, and so we'll both be available to answer any questions related to the three-year proposal uh, that you have have in your packet. It's not wanting to advance. Down by nine, my thing. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, just use the, it's scrolling up and down, but the way okay, I just use it. There it is. Again, good afternoon. Uh, kind of at a, as a backdrop, um, we're going to talk about two or three of the areas of, of focus that we're working on uh, as a chamber. And a lot of this came out of work that was done through Ernst & Young as part of the city street, uh, city's Strategic Economic Development Plan and also work that was done 
uh, with our Rising Together campaign, which is our five-year program of work uh, that was put into play and, and went into effect in, in 2022. And in the, the Rising Together uh, programming, we had four primary initiatives, and those were job creation and economic prosperity, innovation and entrepreneurship, workforce and talent development, and then housing and land development, all of which I think align very closely with the city's uh, priorities. And one of those uh, in the area of, of economic prosperity and job creation was uh, the recommendation from Ernst & Young that there be additional focus on target industry development. Uh, and the target industries that came out of the work done by Ernst & Young, and you, I won't read them uh, here, were these primary four, which aligned very closely with what was some work that we had done as an organization prior to this. Uh, so these have been a lot of the focus in terms of working with companies locally because those typically are, are high quality jobs that have residual benefits and, and better multipliers. Uh, and the, as what we set apart or set down as goals were that we would increase or gain 1,500 jobs over five years in these targeted industries and that the wages uh, that we would be for these jobs would be at the then median wage of $33,382 a year plus $5,000. So essentially, so a little bit over $38,000 would be kind of the standard uh, for uh, inclusion. And that was what our targets were. Oops, sorry. Okay, all right. uh, what we consider to be the primary factors for success in growing this, R1 is to concentrate and work hard with existing companies to grow those companies, help them be successful. We've done a variety of things to support those. Uh, and then also to bring in new opportunities. And, and that would be new companies coming to town, growing companies, helping uh, startup companies in these various uh, categories of, of industry. Uh, we've also worked with supporting industry clusters. Uh, the Tech Guild, the Lawrence Tech Guild was mentioned earlier. We've been a, a sponsor uh, and supporter of the Tech Guild for some time now. And that's an opportunity for folks in the tech industry to get together. We've also worked with Peasley Tech in the formation of a manufacturer's forum, which does the same kind of brings, brings folks from the manufacturing industry countywide together to work on issues that are common to all those companies and try to find ways to support them. Uh, we also are working on identifying more available buildings and sites because one of the critical needs in this community currently is we really don't have a lot of locations, either existing buildings or sites for companies to grow or to come into the community. So that's been something we've been working on. And then also housing uh, as it relates to workforce uh, is very critical. Uh, and then, and, and so those are all areas that we've been working on. And, and we're not gonna talk about all those today, but the ones that, that we have, like target industry is one certainly that's very important. Uh, and what, how we're doing that is we're working with those companies and then we're tracking the job growth in identified NAICS codes that align with those various industries. And we've got a list of between 20 and 25 that in working with Ernst & Young and also with, with the, uh, the Research Institute, KUIPSR, at the University of Kansas, we've identified those as, as key uh, components of those industries, uh, kind of a proxy set. And so we're tracking the job growth in those various industries by NAICS code. Uh, the preliminary info that we have was only through the middle of 2022 because of lags in reporting, and then they scrubbed the information. 
we will have final numbers uh, by the 1st of July, should have conclusive numbers for the year 2022. But we were at 129 new jobs created in the industries at that point. Uh, and I think with anecdotal conversations and interviews that I've done with a number of other number of companies in the community, I think that we'll be very, very in very good shape from that standpoint. So I think the numbers are going to be pretty strong. But again, these are our jobs in the community that pay uh, a, a strong wage, uh, have benefits associated, uh, and there's there's a lot of interest and a lot of need for employees in, the, in some of these industries. So I think we think that that's a good opportunity for us to grow quality jobs. And then the other thing I'm going to focus on, and then Josh will, will take the, the stand, is early education and childcare and how it relates to workforce, how it relates to, relates to the, the economic prosperity in the community. Uh, you know, workforce, as I mentioned, is a key issue for all companies in this community and really throughout the country. Uh, and, and I think childcare is a critical factor in that. Uh, it's critical because it's important in regards to workforce participation and also in retention of employees. Uh, it impacts family income, overall quality of life, and it's also an equity issue. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of work in this space. Um, and one of the things that came out of our Rising Together campaign, and, and again, these foundational principles that we're working on uh, over the next five-year period, is that we wanted to be in a position to help create 50 new infant and toddler care slots per year over the next five years. Because uh, infant and toddler care are, are typically the, the very hardest kinds of, of child care uh, and early child education uh, to put together. They're, they're very difficult. Uh, and, and, and some of the, the, the laws and the regulations uh, make it difficult a lot of times for providers to, to work in this space. And so we've been very involved in the initiatives around the Community Children's Center, uh, which got some grant funding uh, and now is in a fundraising mode to to provide additional resources to build out the the operation and also to support ongoing uh, programming. Uh, the the community's children's center, when it's fully operational, is is slated to provide sixty three infant and toddler slots on a sh per shift basis. And one of the things that's going to be very nice about this facility is that they're also going to have weekend, Hour, or not only weekend hours, but also night shifts, which are traditionally very, very hard to come by uh, in this community and any community for that matter. Uh, and we've also done a lot on the advocacy side, uh, working not only as a community advocating at the state level for, for some changes in regulations and more support of childcare, but we've also been partnering with our metal coalition, which are the chambers of Manhattan, Emporia, Topeka, in combination with Lawrence to provide a united front in support of initiatives around childcare uh, with greater support for childcare, uh, you know, more support for folks in the childcare industry because uh, it's an industry that typically is not paid well. There's a lot of turnover, it's very, very difficult. Uh, and we think it's important and have gotten good support from others in, in that regard. With that, I'm gonna turn it over to Doug, or, or to Josh, to, to Douglas County, to Josh, and then I'm gonna step back and then we'll come up and we can talk about the, uh, the actual budget numbers. Hello, I'm Doug. 
Uh, no, my name is Joshua Falif, and um, it's nice to be here today. Uh, I'm here to talk briefly about the Diversified Douglas County Minority-Owned Business Loan Program. Um, having joined the chamber in September of last year, following uh, 10 years of teaching and serving as an administrator at Haskell Indian Nations University and as a citizen of the Delaware Tribe of Indians out of Artisville, Oklahoma, I was really excited to work on a project just like this because of how it could serve uh, our indigenous community, but also uh, our underserved uh, throughout the county. So uh, Diversified Douglas County is more than just a loan. It's a loan program um, that helps to support both our EDC Rising Together Capital campaign to accomplish the two bullet points noted here, as well as the City of Lawrence's um, <clears throat> Strategic Plan 2040 and the Prosperity and Economic Security number five to ensure greater economic opportunities amongst historically marginalized populations, communities, and businesses, as well as Douglas County's community health plan to reduce poverty and the emphasis on the BIPOC entrepreneurship. This is a program I'm really excited about how we can address each of those issues uh, in very meaningful ways. Um, the important part of creating a program like this is making sure you have at the outset a BIPOC advisory group who are feel free and open to express their thoughts, their concerns, uh, what the challenges are in starting up their own businesses um, here in Douglas County and Lawrence. Um, and we had a great, extraordinary bunch. Uh, entrepreneurs, educators, and community community leaders um, from throughout Douglas County. Um, we had City of Lawrence and Douglas County leadership participating in those meetings um, roughly on a biweekly basis. Um, we also had uh, obviously the Lawrence Chamber and the EDC of Douglas County were engaged. Uh, but then we had continuing partners throughout the whole process that helped us answer questions, helped to respond to some of those systemic and historical challenges um, uh, minority entrepreneurs and business leaders face uh, that maybe uh, often go under the radar, haven't had a chance to be voiced so that we can address those to the best of our ability. And uh, none, none have been more integral than these um, continuing partners, the KU Small Business Development Center, uh, who provides extraordinary free uh, and confidential services um, to entrepreneurs and businesses throughout the community. Uh, Entrepreneurial Business Basics, or EBB, uh, a jump course um, that we had a first cohort in the fall of 2022, uh, and now we have a 2023, a spring course that is wrapping up on Saturday. We're excited to say with um, a number of graduates ready to uh, pursue their uh, business aspirations. Um, Network Kansas is constantly being engaged, uh, particularly the Empower uh, programs that they help um, they help guide and, and support in areas such as Wichita and Wyandotte County. Uh, they've been very, very helpful. Um, and then one of the challenges we encountered was how are we going to service these loans on a regular and ongoing basis to help uh, support those entrepreneurs uh, and Truity Federal Credit Union. Um, in addition to a number of other financial partners uh, here in Lawrence and Douglas County, uh, all took a, a expressed interest in participating, which was really exciting. Uh, but Truity Federal Credit Union presented a plan uh, and approach that we felt best served the entrepreneurs uh, and those uh, business leaders um, in ways that we thought that would be helpful. But 
uh, we're looking forward to other partners being engaged in that front as well. And then finally, we have a financial review board that looks like the folks who are going to be applying to this, to this loan program. Um, they are experts in the fields of law, of entrepreneurship, of uh, their business leaders, uh, their financial advisors um, that are going to be able to provide a wonderful service to those, those entrepreneurs. Uh, so the gist of the program are, are some of these details. Um, they're for minority-owned businesses and entrepreneurs who can apply for loans of up to $15,000 with a 4% interest rate for 48 months. Um, we'll have ongoing uh, training and technical business support from certified partners. Right now, uh, the KU Small Business Development Center and the Entrepreneurial Business Basics or JUMP course are our two program partners to help provide those services for free. Um, and we look forward to having more uh, come on board should anybody express interest and have the credentials to help support those business uh, those businesses. Uh, I mentioned loan servicing and support from our financial partner, Atruity Federal Credit Union, um, in ways that are going to be most amenable to the success of those small businesses as, as they get started up. And then also continuing network and mentorship opportunities. Uh, we'd like to have uh, BIPOC professionals in the community, as well as these entrepreneurs, to get together to form mentorships and partnerships out on their own terms. Um, and if we are able to create a space in which they can do that and help find a way to bring folks together uh, in order to do that, then we're happy to, to be a part of that as well. Um, finally, here's Steve Kelly will come back up. Here's our uh, larger budget request um, that reflects a, just a 1.45% in, increase each year due to inflation. But other than that, it's it's basically ongoing. And I'd like to point out that the minority business support um, for this uh, uh, loan program, hopefully it, we're expecting that to get to a point where it can sustain itself. Right now it's not there and we look forward to the city's continued commitment to the success of those small businesses. Right. And, and in addition to, to Josh's comment, and he's exactly right about the, the small annual increases for both our operations and also in support of the SBDC operations. Uh, and, and this is, I think, this comment is really for, for Commissioner Kelly, because uh, he asked a question earlier, I think, where it referenced maybe the, the county budget. There is a similar, a very similar budget request that we're making to the county uh, in, in alignment with this uh, and for support for the minority business program, the SBDC support. Uh, the operational support, and there may be a little bit of differential, but it's very, very close. It's very similar to this, uh, and particularly the the hundred five thousand dollars I know is built into the county request as well. So, with that, we'll stand for questions. Is there any questions for from the committee? This is Christina Gentry. Um, embedded into your um, plan um, and into your report, there I wrote down there were um, nine new businesses, um, and I'm just par not paraphrasing. I'm just kind of taking from what was uh, information given. Uh, it says nine new minority businesses were um, added. Um, I think I'm reading. I'm reading from. Hold on, hold on. I don't know. 
Yes. Um, could you talk, is, is there, is there in fact nine new businesses that you have supported throughout the this fiscal year or um, is that something that I'm reading, misreading? So I'm, I'm looking at, it's just underneath, uh, I'm not sure if I can refer to the application, but do you in fact have nine new businesses that you are serving that are part of and underneath the revolutionary loan fund? Um, not not under the loan fund. The loan fund, uh, we just received funding and have added our um, our capital campaign monies into an account. It took a little while because we wanted to be equitable to all of our financial institutions, give everybody an opportunity. Um, so the city's initial commitment for the first half of that for 2023 came approximately a few weeks ago and was deposited. Um, now we're taking applications, but these are minority-owned businesses that we continue to work with on a regular basis who are chamber members and not chamber members who might utilize our services and come into our, our building to seek services from the SBDC. Okay, thank you. We hope for nine or more. We're, we're yeah. looking to... To, to, to I, yeah. rolling soon. Well, I apologize. There was just so much of information and I, I'm writing down notes and trying to capture and, and give questions that were accurate. Uh, so maybe that was something that I just- We, we appreciate that. It's a lot of information on different things kind of put together, yes. Is there any other questions for the committee? I have a question. Um, hi, this is Kate Lorenz. Um, I wanted to ask about just in terms of the commitment um, to access and equity in the community, if there, as much as you can share, have been conversations um, or programs internally um, to support business owners or workers um, who have LGBTQIA identities, especially in light of, you know, legislation that's coming out that um, the governor has talked about having potential negative economic impacts on the state. Um, and I would, I would think, especially in recruiting and retaining entrepreneurs in in a community like Lawrence. Um, so, just out of curiosity, if there's anything you can share about support for um, LGBTQIA um, business folks in town. Yeah, yeah, we um, had utilized templates that had been in existence before, and and one of the things we we took into account or some of the checkmark boxes um, to make sure that we're, we are creating a fair and equitable system for um, um, gender, sexual orientation, and, and making space and room for those to, to be included at the, at the applicant or, or you know, the, the businesses we serve, should they choose to, to reveal those to us. Um, I don't, I, in an effort to lower barrier, barriers, um, we tried to find ways that, that accounted for or collected data but didn't wasn't intrusive in ways that that made anybody feel uncomfortable um i am really excited about a and reinvigorated dei committee um here at the chamber and a lot of the young um participants that we've had there who have uh shed new light and continue to um participate in really meaningful and active ways that help us to relook at a lot of what we're doing um, through that lens so that we can make sure that, that we are creating spaces for them to, to be a part of the community, to be a part of the chamber, should they so choose, um, and, and have access to any of the opportunities we're able to provide them. Yeah, I think the key thing, and, and Josh just touched on it, 
uh, is our, our, you know, what we're really striving for is to provide benefit to the to the entire community and provide opportunities without regard to any of the kinds of of measurements or potential restrictions that can be put into place. You know, we're doing this with the intent of, of providing opportunities on a broad basis, and and I think are headed in the right direction for it, but continuing to learn as we go. Thank you. Um, I had a real quick question too. This is relevant to what you said, because um, I, I understood you said something that, about the data and not having a reflection, a collection of, of recent data due to some discrepancy, something that happened. Um, but you did speak on conversations that you had with community. Um, and you said that they looked um, based on the community conversations, they looked very, the outlook was good. Um, maybe give me an example of what those community conversations that you thought were invigorating, um, example of what you heard from the community that you spoke to earlier that would look like to be a plus or a positive in a way that you had represented um, your um, rigorous and, you know, anticipation of robust activity in the next couple of, of years. Okay, well, yes, and and I have, Josh and I both, and, and really people throughout our organization have regular conversations with businesses in the community. Uh, and when you look at the NAIX code set, but there, a lot of those that would be comprised of manufacturers, a lot of the tech companies, people in that space. Uh, and I know a couple of examples. Uh, I know of one specifically where one company has added over 300 people in the last year, uh, you know, and are doing some really interesting things in terms of, of how they're approaching their employees, how they're providing the kind of environment that's attractive and welcoming to people. Uh, so I think that the numbers will be good, uh, but again, because of the of the way the data is collected and then the scrubbing that has to take place to make sure that it's valid, there's just lag time involved in that. And so the the end of the year 2022 information will not be available till really mid-year. Uh, and so the numbers that I reported, the 129 jobs was what was available. That that was that was the increase that we had seen in those designated NAICS codes through June of 2022, and now, you know, the 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 end of the year 2022 because we were working on a calendar year basis will be available here at the end of June or the first part of July should be available, and and we'll certainly make that information available. But you know, in the conversations again that I've had, there are some very positive numbers with a number of the companies in the community that have continued to grow. Uh, over the last year. And, you know, with when with the, at the outset of the pandemic, the companies in this group took a significant hit in terms of job loss. There were like 13 or 1400 jobs lost in this collective group. By June of last year, we were within 100 of where we were prior to the pandemic. Uh, and I think that we will be, you know, above where we were you know, going into the pandemic. So we've had a long, we've, we've come back a long ways. There were a lot of jobs lost that are now coming back in, so, but it's been difficult. But again, it is frustrating because the information is collected. They do several different scrubs and cross checks on it. Uh, so, and, and I've talked to the, the folks at KU and research and they say, this is just one of the, the things that you have to deal with, with this kind of data, but we should have it here in the next month or so. Thank you. Is there any other questions for the, from the committee? 
Seeing no other questions, can I get a first motion to proceed on a vote? This is Christina Gentry. I move that we vote on the. Um, Thank you very much. Chambers. Yes. <laughs> Got it. And can I get a second motion? Um, is the motion to approve or just to vote on it? I assume it is to, for, for approval or, or to, to vote. To vote on, uh, on the motion on was it. to vote, yes, not to approve, uh, but to vote. I agree on that. Uh, me. Sam, I assume I'm able to make a motion as well. I don't know if the, I don't know if the chair's ever made a motion before. Okay. Um, don't have the Robert's Rules of Orders off the top of my head. Um, you don't remember us coming. You can make a motion, John. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to make a second motion to vote. That so means... does that mean eyes would be approving and nays would be not recommending to approve? Yeah, that's what I understand. Yes, it's Commissioner Kelly. I don't. It's it's interesting to do a a motion to vote. Like, <laughs> I think we needed a motion to either approve or deny okay. not to vote okay. that's probably correct this is christina i uh sub i take that back i retract that motion and make a motion to approve uh, the recommendation okay that being said can we get a second motion to approve i'll second this is kate lorenz thank you kate Roll call vote, Brad. Oh. I need to abstain due to a conflict. Thank you very much. And Kay Emerson. Uh, it looks like she dropped off the call at some okay. point. Christina Gentry. Um, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Commissioner Kelly. Stain. Kate Lorenz. Aye. And I'm a nay. So we have, uh, let's see, is Kay Emerson back on yet uh, just to double check? No, she's not. Okay. So we'll go with uh, the motion passes with two, eye, two to one, two eyes to one nay, with two abstain and one absent. Is that how you had that, Sam? Yep. Okay. And on the prior vote uh, case, uh, call did drop off, and I would have changed that absent to an I. So on that prior one, it was four to one with one abstain. Is there any questions from anybody in the audience? Uh, Sam? Uh, as far as I can tell, there's no public comment in the room. Um, or, and I don't see any public comment online. In chat, okay. And I'd like to make a motion to adjourn, or is there, or can I get a motion to adjourn? I'll say that. Can I get a first to adjourn? This, 
Commissioner Kelly, you, you don't need a motion to adjourn. Oh, but okay. I will well, make a, you can just adjourn the meeting. We well, are. thank you. Well, that being said, we will adjourn the meeting till next time, whenever that may be. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. Thank you, everyone. We appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks. Mm -hmm.